tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. Verse 9, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass that when all that knew him before time saw saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is coming to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. It's a very unique passage of Scripture here. It sets the context for what I want to speak on today. The context of what I want to talk to you, continuing what I began last week, is a divine encounter. A divine encounter. I want to ask you to begin to really narrow your attention towards this thought. And that is, is it biblical to pursue a distinct, intentional, divine encounter? Is it biblical for you as an individual to pursue a not just a singular, but perhaps an initial but an intentional, distinct, divine encounter or work of the power of the Spirit of God in your own life, distinct from your born-again experience? I think that's a fair question. Hopefully our dialogue will help answer that today. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I feel humbled to be here today, God. Out of weakness, God, let us be made strong. Let today be a day that we'll say was marked on our calendar, a day that, God, that you brought us to this house to be ministered to the Word of God, but to minister to you in spirit, and then to receive of the Spirit of God to work in our heart and life, God, equipping us into the people that you have called us to be. I thank you today for the privilege of sharing. I pray that people's hearts are prepared. Mine is. I pray the hearts of the people are prepared to receive the Word of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. So if you were not here last week, I shared a message to our church family, and maybe even if you were, it still takes a little while to remember that I preached a little bit in the context of that in our uh, the church world today in which we live, including our own church, that we have to move to a place where we, um, where we are. I want to say it very. I said it very respectfully. We're not people are not weirded out by the the work of the Spirit among us. That that we're a people that we're in pursuit of the Spirit of God upon our lives and working in us and working through us. And that uh, along with that comes oftentimes speaking in other tongues. That's often the most controversial, divisive, yet also very rewarding work of the Spirit of God. But it creates some contention along the way. But we have to simply say, I preach the message that God hath chosen. That God chose. God chose. Can I say it one more time to you? God chose. God chose that, that the Spirit of God at certain manifestations that they can articulate uh, to God in a, in a prayer language, or uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. So we didn't choose it, God did. So therefore, but God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the mighty, things that the world despises. The world can look at our spirit-filled experience and mock and, and uh, belittle and make accusation and falsify. But you know what? We've got to move to the place that says, I'm not bothered by that. It's validated biblically, it's validated experientially, and I tell you what, you can ridicule my experience if you choose to, but you know what, I'm going to continue in this experience because I've received too much from it, right? And I want to just encourage the church family, I want to keep encouraging you, we're, 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 I think we're at a, a place in the American church that, that a, a shifting is about to take place. Now, I know I've been told in days come back, a sifting had take place prior. But what's the shifting? I think one of the shiftings that we're going to start seeing is we had attempted to replace the authentic work of the Spirit of God with um, almost, almost like if we could manufacture it uh, through lights and through music and through uh, coolness and all the things that the modern church has tried to say, hey, this is what's going to attract people. I'll tell you what's going to attract people. The power and the presence of the living God manifested among us people that's authentic and it's real and it's genuine. And yet there's always going to be some things that cause you to shake your head. When you read the Word of God, you can find there are things, I mean, even if you were to read this text that I just chose, I mean, Saul 
went amongst the prophets, and, and he, he would never been previously prophetic, but when he got in the presence of those others, that the prophetic gifts that were working in their lives, I don't know, it just agitated something in him. The Spirit of God came upon him, right? And the Spirit of God came upon him, and when it did, the Bible says it changed him into another man. I didn't take the time, though, to tell you that if you read this uh, of the same man, who this account is almost repeated nine chapters later, and this time, though, he falls down in front of Samuel, strips off all of his clothes, and prophesies naked. So I tell you, there are some things that when you read about it that, you, you know, there are just some things I don't understand. I would prefer to prophesy with my clothes on. That's a good place to take up an offering right there. However, with that said, I'm saying is that if you read the narrative of the Word of God from Genesis all the way through, anytime there are workings of the Spirit of God, there are some things that, that you just don't really fully understand. And you don't even, you can't sometimes always just say why. But you know what? God chose those things. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you, I want them working in my life. Because there's a fire, there's a kindling. So I ask the question, is it biblical to pursue this is where I was taking us last week, but I ran out of time. Is it biblical for us to pursue a distinct, intentional, divine infilling or refilling or a divine encounter apart from the born-again experience? And what I mean by that, intentional meaning as a believer that you pursue by faith a time or a season and even a moment of the presence of Almighty God. Of the supernatural revealed presence of God. Both either corporately or individually. And I believe that you can have a distinct experience with God individually in a corporate setting. But I also believe that there are places that you could create privately where you can encounter the supernatural presence of God. Now if I can go ahead and just preach out in my own spirit for just a few moments. I know that those words, when I say things like that, I'm not trying to dramatize this to the degree that, that suddenly you're saying, well, it's almost like the Mount Sinai experience where either the bush burns or whether the glory of God comes down. I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about something that, that, that far-reaching, but I am talking, I believe that as a believer that we can have moments where we simply know that we are in the presence of the holy power of God, the holy presence of Almighty God. When Moses saw the bush that began to burn that was not consumed and he stood in the presence of it, the scripture says that when he heard that audible voice speaking unto him, he said, take off the shoes that are upon your feet. He said, because the ground that's adjacent to this tree, because of the power of God that's being manifested in that tree, he said, it caused the ground around it to be holy. I'm telling you, that moment marked Moses. That moment marked Saul. Now, we know we think about Saul for when we read about his end. Unfortunately, he gave prey to a demonic spirit through jealousy and envy. But early on, we see that Saul, under the counsel of Samuel, he found exactly what Saul or Samuel had told him. He found a group of prophets coming down that had agitated their spiritual gifts. And when he got amongst that group of men that were prophesying with timbrels and with music instruments, something happened. And there was a supernatural manifestation of the power and the presence of God. And so I want to say this to you, that I believe as your pastor, I'm going to speak this to you uh, personally today, that I believe doctrinally that I am not in error by saying that, yes, it is biblical for you to pursue a distinct divine encounter of the presence of God because you'll live life differently. When you've been in his presence, Saul's heart was changed into another man. And so then I added a follow-on question to that. So, okay, Pastor Brown. So if, if I'm convinced in my heart that, yes, it is, uh, it is the will of God for me, are there any precursors to this? Is there anything that I should do in advance of? And I think, I think that's a fair question as well. And so here's what my, question, my, my second answer is to that second question is, I honestly believe that what's happening in, the, in, in, in our midst right now, our church, I'm going to give you the evaluation of it, and it, and it is the precursor, and that is sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. 
If you search the scriptures, you're going to find a number of passages where the people of God have been exhorted, exhorted, that even prior to encountering the presence of God in a level that they had not previously experienced, that they had to go through a personal setting apart of some things out of their own lives that could have been previously either hindering or grieving the Spirit of God within them. Now, this is not a message about sanctification today. Perhaps that will be next week. It's probably my intention to do so. But the reality is concerning a divine encounter of the presence of God. To prepare your heart to search after and to seek after God. It may include a time of fasting. It may include a time of special prayer. Just getting alone with God. Making prayer a familiar place. Right, and I'm not talking about just praying while you're working. Right, I'm not talking about just praying when you're driving home. Those are good things. Please do so. I'm talking about the secret place. Right, there's a big difference. The secret place. The old song said, I just steal away and pray. And I'm not even just talking about just intercession. Sometimes we think prayer is only just intercession, that when I get to the secret place, it's all about me petitioning God and calling upon His name. Sometimes it's just about abiding in His presence. It's about just saying, God, you're holy, and, and, and recognizing the holiness of God and being thankful that your sins are forgiven, and you have communion and fellowship with the Father. So it can be a time of pre- uh, in prayer, and certainly deeper daily devotions. Right, I know you have outstanding preaching here, our church family, from all the ministers that are present and the teachers here at this assembly. But I'm telling you, it's our daily bread, right, that we need nourishment. Come on, somebody. And so, that, so again, that's the precursor. We start deepening our daily devotion. Then we find ourselves being called to give up entertainment choices. Are y'all out there today? What about even some of the folks that you hang out with? Sometimes there's a moment when you just simply say, you know what, I can't, I can't hang out with this group of people any longer because I've found that I have been gravitating to where they're at. It'd be different if I was amongst them and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the convicting power of God, God was using me to influence them and pull them to a higher place. But if I find myself gravitating down to their life and lifestyle, right, then, then you've got to make some hard decisions. If you need and if you desire and if you want, we all need, I shouldn't say need, we all should want a divine encounter of God's power in His presence. The things that you listen to matter. The things that you read matter. The things that you watch matter. To be set apart is to have a clear mind. To have a clear conscience. Right? It begins in repentance. Right? It begins in repentance and then it leads to renewal. Are you out there today? A renewing of your faith and agitating of the Spirit of God. So there are times I know in Scripture, I know there's some, some spontaneous works of God's Spirit, but this is, in my study, I found that the majority of the workings and the manifestations of God's Spirit were very intentional. Now, let me just give you, a, for example, what I would say is spontaneous, con- contrasting with one that was very intentional. We read a very intentional one. God spoke to the prophet Samuel. He said, Saul, he's been anointed. He was anointed with oil. He was set apart. When he kissed him, that was setting him apart. Anointing his oil with oil was setting apart. He said, I want you to go here. I want you to go there. It was very intentional. So the, by the Spirit of God, Samuel's discerning that he needed to be in this place at this time, at this moment, because it was here that God was going to reveal his presence. So that was very, very intentional. And then there's occasional times when it doesn't seem like it was very intentional by anybody's directive but it, other than just simply God who was directing the steps. I'm always reminded of Jacob when he left out of his father's house to go to take a wife of, uh, amongst his kinfolk. That on the first night of his journey with nothing but a staff and a little pouch for food, he stopped and at a certain place. The Bible said a certain place. He had no idea. He simply just stopped there, and he pillowed his head upon a stone. But while there in the night watches, God came to him supernaturally, and he saw the glory of God, and he heard the voice of God in his dream. And when he woke up out of the dream, he knew that he had had a divine encounter because he said, the presence of God has been in this place. And he said, and I didn't even know it. And he took oil that was in his bag, and he poured it upon the rock, and he dedicated it, and he called it Bethel, the house of God. 
And so that was something that was spontaneous to him. He didn't know he was going to go there, but God had ordered his steps. But those are a little bit more rare. The reality is when you search the Word of God, you will find that on the almost all occasions is that when the people experience the divine presence of God is because it was very intentional. That somebody said, I've got to have more than just religion. I've got to have more than just a pious faith and an experience that people say, yes, that's a good man or a good woman. They go to the, through the motions. They're very faithful to church. They do all the right things. No, that you arrive at that place in your life and say, it can't all just be exterior. I have to have some moments where the glory of Almighty God is made known to us. It's very, very intentional. My question is, do you really believe that it's God's will for you to have a divine encounter? That's a fair question today. Do you really believe that it's God's will for you to be filled with the power of His Holy Spirit? Do you really believe that God has called you to have an anointing upon your life? Not just other folks, not just people that you know in the church. You know, I've said this multiple times, I'll say it again. We get in the spirit-filled Pentecostal world, if we are not careful, we will get accustomed to simply standing near or being near other people's spiritual experience. When you can have your own, when God can make His glory known. So my question again to you, do you really believe that it's God's will for your life? And then if it's, you say, if you can arrive at the place where you say, Pastor, I believe. So then you, the, the second, the follow-on question to that is, as a minister from my world, from the world of those other pastors that stand on this pulpit with me and minister to you, what role, if any, do we or should we play? Is there something where it's what you need and desire, what we're aware of, is it, it can help, help bring those two together so that you can have the encounter. I think that's fair, don't you? Because yes, 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 I know that you can have a divine encounter without the aid of anybody. Right? You can have a divine Holy Spirit power, uh, the glory of God moment in your life that can change you just like Jacob. Nobody poured oil on Jacob's head. No one kissed Jacob. Nobody did that. God met him there. So I know that you don't always need. But then we can look at the account with Saul and Samuel. And Saul wouldn't have known where to go. Saul wouldn't even have known who to get amongst. If he hadn't had some direction and some instruction from the prophet Samuel. So as I begin to think upon that, I begin to think about my own experience. And I begin to think about the, not only my experience, but my instruction so, and I said, God, I want to I I tie this together and see what the biblical precedent is to see if this is still true today. And, and say, number one, number one, as a pastor, it's my responsibility to give you some instruction. It's my responsibility to challenge you. It's my responsibility that when you come into the doors of this assembly that, 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 that I can say, I want you, yes, here. I want you greeting and hugging and sharing and reaching out and lifting up one another. But I also want you to be vertical very quickly. I want you to be in communion with the Father. I want you to know it's my responsibility to charge you and to challenge you that, yes, you can have a divine encounter with God. And if it causes me to some things in my own life in order to have that influence with you, then I'm willing to do so. Whatever risk that I must take in order to, to have some validation in your eyes so that if I give you some measure of instruction that you can respond to it because you say, hey, wait a minute, I, I, I validate, I'm va I, that, that man's experience and my relationship with him is validated and I can trust what he's saying. Because one of the things that I want you to know today, it means a lot to me personally. The last thing that I would want to ever do is lead anybody in error. The last thing. Matter of fact, Jesus warned about the, the little ones. He said, if you offend one of these little ones, he said, it's better to take a millstone. Now, I don't know about you, but we were in Capernaum where they made millstones. And some of the millstones from the first and second century are still scattered on the landscape there. And we got to look over at them right where Jesus taught that, that doctrine. And he said, if, if you offend one of these little ones, you see that stone out there larger than that bass drum. 
much larger. He said, it'd be better to have that around your neck and you dropped in the sea than you would offend one of these little ones of God's children. So that means a lot to me. I, I recognize that. So I wouldn't want to share anything with you that, that could hurt you or harm you. But I don't believe that you'll be hurt or harmed by keeping you in a moment of pursuit after the presence of God. To know that you can have an anointing upon your own life. To know that the glory of God, the power of God, and the work of God's Spirit can work in you mightily, glory to God. That the anointing is not just for the prophet, the priest, and the preachers today. That all of God's children. Are you out there today? Number two, in order to do so this, number one, it's my responsibility, I believe, to give you instruction. Right? I just believe that. I think that's biblically uh, validated. Number two, I've got to keep and we've got to keep an agitation of our own spiritual gifts as pastors. This renewed emphasis on sanctification, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be more than a doctrine that I preach. It's going to be a renewed emphasis on my own life. Right? And it's not something that I'm going to put on the screen or put on the wall and say, here's the bar that somebody else has set. You measure yourself against it. Now, this is for my own walk. Because I want this gift of God to flow freely in my own life. I remember when, that, when, when, when someone came to one of the prophets of old, I believe it was Elisha. It was two kings that came to him. One that was in uh, an apostasy. The other one was, uh, was walking before God in faith. And they were looking for a word from God. And so they came to Elisha the prophet. Y'all remember that. It's in the book of 2 Kings. And, and, and this is where in that moment, Elisha, I love Elisha. Elisha's just very frank. Elisha looked at the one king. And he said, if it weren't for the presence of the righteous king, he said, I wouldn't even answer you because of his apostasy and what he had led the people of Israel in. But Elisha, when they needed a word from God, the only way that he could bring forth a word of direction for the people was that he had to agitate his own spiritual gift. And so too we. We have to men, women among us. And so he called for a minstrel. And when the minstrel of music was present, after a period of time, by the minstrel's giftings, that it agitated the gift of God. That's why I said God takes the foolish things. The foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And, and through the agitation and the, the stirring and the musings of that, of that music, that was, it was vertical. It was, it was to lift his eyes toward heaven. It was, it was praise. It was God is good all the time. Come on, someone. It was he's getting better, better, and better. Are you out there today? And all of a sudden, Elisha's eyes go from here to here, and the Spirit of God begins to move. So as pastors, we have to agitate our own spiritual gift. And then we have to have faith to know what gifts God's put in our lives. Because the last thing you want to do is try to do something or be something that you're not. Go around trying to act like you're a prophet or apostle or do something that God's not called you to do. In the, in, in, the, in, the, in the language of this culture, you better stay in your own lane, bro. Right? You better know your calling and your gifts. And you better be able to, to say that God's put these in my own heart and life. But the ones that he's put in my own heart and life, I need to recognize and I need to be willing to minister to people for their good. And so, and then number four, I'm going back to this. What part should I play in helping lead someone into a divine encounter with God? I believe in the laying on of hands. And I believe in the impartation of spiritual gifts. Does anybody remember, if I could take just a little bit of time to elaborate on this for a moment, and I'll be mindful of the time. I won't preach that full hour that I preached last week. I thought I'd get some type of response from that. Goodness. All right. I'll just keep on going. So with that, let me just say, I want to go to the laying on of hands and what part that it can play. Can you have, this is it, can you as an individual have a divine encounter in a corporate setting? So when Paul was writing to his young apprentice in the faith, Timothy, he wrote and he said a couple of things to him. And you'll just read this on your own. One passage is in 1 Timothy, the other is in 2 Timothy. But he referenced, first of all, he said, Timothy said, I want you, he said, when you're down, he said, you got to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you by the laying on of my hands. So what that means is, is that Paul, at some particular time in Timothy's life, he had laid hands on Timothy, and God had placed a supernatural endowment of his power and his grace in Timothy's life. 
And I'm telling you, that would produce a divine encounter, and that would be a divine encounter, wouldn't it? And so, but then we read in another passage of Scripture where the Paul told Timothy concerning the gift of God, he said, neglect not the gift of God that's in thee by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery accompanied by prophecy. So if we put this together, what I believe that this is saying is that at the time, very possibly what's called Timothy's ordination, that Paul, as well as the presbytery, which means the plurality of ministers, is gathered there and they lay hands on Timothy. And when they lay hands on Timothy, a prophetic word comes either through Paul's mouth or through someone else that speaks a word over Timothy's life. And he said, that's been spoken over you. And then in another place, when Timothy was down, Paul told Timothy, he said, don't forget the prophecies that were spoken concerning you. So not only was it an endowment of gifts that was placed in Timothy's life, but it was also a prophetic word about his future and his calling. And that's a powerful thing, isn't it? To have that in your own heart and life, to be able to say, the God of all the ages knows who I am. He knows where I am, and there's a call that he's put upon my life, and that if I will, if I will stay being conformed to the image of Jesus, and when I'm down and I'm disheartened, I can keep going back to the template. I can keep going back and say, God said this. I may be tired. Things may not be happening the way I think they should right now, but I still have hope because God put a prophetic word in my life. Are you all out there today? That came as a direct result of a divine encounter of God's power and His holy presence. And you say, Pastor, when that happens to me, if I have a divine encounter of God's Spirit, and there's an unction, there's an anointing, I'm going to conclude in just a moment with addressing the doctrinal side of this briefly to conclude. But you say, Pastor, what happens to me that when the glory of God, the Spirit of God, of the living God comes upon my life, and I know I've been in the presence of God. Moses was in the presence of God to the degree that his face shone with the glory of God. That when he came down from the mountain, the people couldn't even look at him because of the, of the glory of God that was on him. Are y'all out there? What are you to expect as a result of a divine encounter? Renewing of your faith, number one. 2022, the year of faith, the stirring up of your faith, that your faith will not fail, right? That your faith becomes proactive. It's energized. How many of you know faith can be energized? Are you here today? I mean, I'm talking about faith that can be renewed, it can be energized. Did you know I used to think that when we hooked a battery up to charge a battery, I used to think that the, the battery then that had became depleted of its energy was gaining energy from the charger, but I learned later that that's not the case, that it's actually simply agitating the chemicals that are within the battery clearing off the copper plates so that it can produce power again. And so I'm telling you, that's what the stirring up of your spirit by a divine counter. Are you here today? There'll be renewing of your faith. And the end result of that is, is this God begins to produce new spiritual gifts in your life. You should desire spiritual gifts. We should all be hungering and say, God, I want more of the work of God in our life. And number three would be a fullness of overflowing. How many of you know there should be an overflowing of the grace of God in your life? That many times in our generation, it is easy. I'll be first to admit to you, it's easy to be downcast in this generation. It's easy to be, you can slip away into depression very quickly. You can, you can, we, are, we are just almost enshrouded with the availability of news from around the world. And it's at your fingertips. And every, there's times when I, be, I, I pull myself away at times and I say, God, you, you, you did not create within me the capacity to know those things, to know so much about what's happening around the world. So I know that we can, we can live in a time of, that we can see a depressive state of mind, but I'm telling you that if you have a divine encounter, if you have a divine encounter, say, Pastor, don't you know there's war in Ukraine and they're talking about the possibilities? Could that be the four? Uh, the, the, that, could that be the, 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 the early stages of a, of a third world war? Let me remind you the history of the Pentecostal movement was taking place during World War I and World War II. 
While all that was going on, God was pouring his spirit out. Are you hearing me today? I'm telling you that when the spirit of God really begins to come into our lives, I believe in joy, don't you? We need joy in the church again. Uh, the Bible calls about joy, it's a well of water springing up. It just springs up, it just bubbles up inside your own spirit. If you have found your place in a season of life where your countenance has fallen and people around you are noticing it because you have no joy in your life, you know what you need? You don't need medication. Are you hearing me today? And you really probably don't need therapy or counsel other than what I'm giving you right now. You need to get alone with God. You need to get, and you need to stay in there until that divine encounter happens. And when that divine encounter happens, glory to God, I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord, and it'll be more than just a singular moment, it'll become a river of living water that will flow out of your own spirit and out of your own belly. It will bubble up and flow freely in your own life. I believe that when you really have a divine encounter, your tongue will be loose like Zacharias and you will prophesy or praise audibly out loud by the unction and the anointing of God that's in your life. It may be in tongues, it may be in your own language, but I believe it will flow forth out of your own heart and life because that well will be springing up to the glory of God. You'll have a, re a renewed desire for holiness. You will. You'll be bothered. It's hard to go from the presence of God, of his holy presence, and then look up and our lives are so filthy. And so, 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 so much in our mind and in our thoughts and our imaginations because of the things that we watch and we listen to or we read. Are you hearing me today? Pastor, you sound like one of those old-timey preachers. What are you going to do next? Start measuring our shirt sleeve length or our dresses or our hair. No, I'm just simply telling you that we have to be able to discern the difference and to be able to say, there's just some things that I just don't need. There's just some things that God's given me the choice. And, and I think what's happening, let me just go ahead and jump on this I'll, I'll, for just a brief moment, and then I'll, I'll, I'll start narrowing to a close. I think we're going to see a shift away from the coolness church anymore to people saying, I tried that, and I had no true power in my life. And when, I, and, and when hell came in, I went to rebuke the devil and had no anointing on my life because my life was so weighted down with the filthiness of the flesh. Are you out there today? And I realize that if I'm going to deal with demonic powers and I'm going to exercise authority and dominion, I need to sanctify myself in holiness. Are you out there today? So I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I think we're going to see a shift. I think we're going to see a shift in the body of Christ that says, yeah, we tried that. We went that way. It looked good. We bought it. We went there. We visited it. But you know what? I didn't find the authentic power and the presence of a living God like I needed in my own life. And you, I, I said, God, if you're calling me out of this, then let me come out of it. Right? I, that's just me. That'll probably be the, the, to lead us into next week's message. But I just want you to know, I just think that's where God's going to call us to. He's going to call us to a personal pursuit of holiness. And I believe that when you have a divine encounter, you have a desire to serve God. Whether there's something in your heart you want to do good for the people of God. You want to do people, good for people. There's something in your heart that when you've encountered His presence. How many of you know God loves people? The, the thing that we get the most frustrated with typically are people. Right? That's why we want to just sometimes live on the backside of the mountain all alone. My name, Lee Anthony, dweller in the meadow. I can be happy just watching the grass grow. As a matter of fact, Lord, please send it this week. This week, I have five bales of hay. I know you know. One, two, three, four, five left. Let the grass grow. I can be happy. But you know what? But God's called us to be influencers. God's called us to be light. God's called us to be the moral consciousness of the nation. And if a city is set on a hill, it cannot be hid. So you and I have to continually be reminded of this. That the favor and the glory and the blessing of God is just not to be consumed in our own lives. But it's to be shared with people. Out of what love? Out of love. Isn't that right? Out of, not, I'm not talking about the defined uh, love of this culture. I'm talking about the biblical love. Amen. Are you here? 
So that's the word. So Pastor Brown, a holy encounter of God. When and where will it commence? It will commence when you and I have heartfelt repentance and pursuit after God. Listen to this. With the expectation of his presence. Let me bring a clarity to you here, and I'm going to close. Here's where we're at as a culture in the, the spirit. We want a free prophecy more than we want a divine encounter. Can I say that with you? That, that's just where, we, you know, everybody's occasionally seen the, the info commercials where you can dial 1-900 and talk to Madam so-and-so. You know, we've almost done that in the spirit-filled church where if you come on a certain day, everybody gets a prophecy. Are you, are you hearing me today? I, I don't need a free prophecy. I need the presence of God in my life. That's what, that's what I need. I thought about Jacob for just a moment real quickly. Did you know when Jacob pillowed his head on that stone and there was a prophetic word about his life, he went right back out and he was still a deceiver. He was still a deceiver. And, and for the next 20 years, he still, there was deception in his life. But you know, when he wrestled with God, when he wrestled with God, when he wrestled with God, he walked away with a limp. I'm telling you, the presence of God will demand things of you. Not always just promise you things. Come on now, are y'all hearing me today? I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. I'm just telling you. The church that is willing to acknowledge this, the church that says it's not just about what I can get, about what's for me, what's good for my life, my best life now. No, that's not this, what the Spirit is really saying to the church. What the Spirit is really saying to the church is about submission to the will of God, about holiness, about walking in an authentic love and being a light in a darkened world. That's what the Spirit of God is saying to our lives. The key is, is are we willing to have that divine encounter? A divine encounter. Moses had a divine encounter at the bush. Seventy elders had a divine encounter. Israel had a divine encounter at the base of Mount Sinai. Samson's parents had a divine encounter with an angel. Gideon had a divine encounter at the threshing floor. Even Balak had a divine encounter on the back of a donkey. Elijah had a divine encounter at the cave. Zacharias had a divine encounter in the temple. Mary had a divine encounter with an angel that promised her a son. Mary and the other women had a divine encounter with an angel at a tomb that they surprisingly found open that they thought would be closed. The disciples had a divine encounter in Galilee. Paul had a divine encounter on a Damascus road. John had a divine encounter on an isle called Patmos. Have you had a divine encounter? That's a fair question today. It will change your life. And it doesn't have to just be one. As the Spirit of God is moving in your heart and life, I'm telling you, there's, there's more than one. There's a renewing of your faith. These are very unique, very prolific, very specific, very particular. As Daryl joins me on the platform, if he's willing today. Very specific, particular to an individual. Very purposeful, very directional. They included impartation. Impartation. While you and I may not have a divine encounter to that degree, that dramatic. The question that you have to decide, uh, decide within yourself. Is it God's will, plan for you to have a divine encounter with God by his spirit? That will mark you. Like Jacob of old, you'll walk differently from that moment. It will mark you. It will move you. It will empower you for his purposes. I, want, I said I was going to close with just mentioning doctrine just very quickly. The Assemblies of God as a part of the Pentecostal Fellowship holds to a doctrine known as the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they will speak in other tongues. And you heard the, lesson, the message last week. If you did not, go back and listen to it. And that's a doctrine that we hold to and believe in. And I do believe that. But if there is an error with that doctrine, 
it may not be with the doctrine, but it may be with what we have done with that doctrine. Is that we have become so enamorated with that doctrine that we've left no room for people to have a divine encounter that doesn't end result in someone speaking in other tongues. And that's what I cannot do for this church family. I believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I believe in initial physical evidence. But I don't believe that that's all the workings of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that's the only thing that will cause you to walk differently. And I don't want you to come to the front of the assembly and the glory of God fall on your heart and you weep and the presence of God is real and there's dying to self and there's life in the Spirit and you get up and you're walking out of here with Jacob's limp because this time you didn't get a free prophecy, but you got a name change. You went from being the deceiver to being the prince, only to be met at the back door. And someone asked you, did you speak in tongues? You say, I did not. And you say, well, man, brother, maybe you'll get it next time. And all of that moment is lost. in our misplaced pursuit of a particular experience. I think we can do both. I think we can hold to the doctrine that we believe in by still encouraging people, still encouraging people to have a divine encounter with God. Man, that's fair, isn't it, church family? That's from my heart to yours. And I say that, I'll go back to the text. Samuel and Saul. Samuel was very specific, very intentional. Go here. These are here. These are here. You get here, and then this happens here. It's very intentional. I hope that with me even addressing that doctrinally, my instruction to you is, my instruction as your pastor, is begin to seek God at a deeper level than what you've done in your most recent history. Be willing to lay aside things that he's, all of a sudden you say, is there really good in that in my heart and life? Be willing. Be quick to repent. Right? Be quick to say, God, I, I, I ask you to forgive me and, and change my life and direct my steps in a way that leads me into a life of holiness to bring glory to you. Are y'all here today? I really feel that today. I feel it in my spirit. It's a divine encounter. Divine encounters can happen in a sanctuary filled with worship, the glory of God. It can happen at an altar. It can happen at your seat. But certainly, if, if, if we hope and think that if we put all of our hopes on this time, I got a feeling that, that wouldn't, we wouldn't have the measurable presence of God consistently to be able to say, wow, yeah, every time. No, it's going to have to happen in other places. You're going to have to really set your heart to be alone with the Lord in your daily devotion. Are you hearing me today? And then bring that experience to this experience. Come on now. Does that make sense? How should we in the modern church today, how should we do these things? How should we do these things? So, here in just a moment, I'm going to just simply open the altars. I'm going to let people that want to come and pray people that want to be prayed for. Some, I know there's a, a couple of situations that, I want to, that I've been asked to pray with, and I want to pray with people today. But I, I, when, you, when, you, when you're a pastor, man, I tell you what, again, you just want to make sure you're doing things right. The last thing I'd want to ever do is create a false hope in somebody. Something if, hey, you do this and, and, and you'll get that, but then that's really outside of the parameters of what God promises I mean, believe you'd be judged for something like that. I don't believe it's outside of the biblical and then also the historical practices of the church to encourage you to just simply make your heart available to God on a deeper level and say, God, have your way. Have your way. Let the glory of God be seen. So I meant to print it out. I forgot, so I'm going to have to go off of memory. I'm going to take you back into church history. So in my studies over the years, I've, I've sat down and I've sought to study because you, there, there's, there's this movement in the modern church called cessationists. You've heard us talk about that before, people that don't believe in the work of the Spirit in our generation. 
They say it ended, you know, at the, either the, the, the death of the last apostle or the canon of Scripture, whatever. But if you'll go back and you'll see and you'll read into some of the writings, you'll find this if you'll look for it. And there was a, a brother, and, I, you know, I struggle to, to get Lee pronounced accurately at times. So this brother's name is Tertullian, I think it is, close enough. Chase, can you pronounce it for me? Tertullian, that's close. Tertullian, I guess. Babylonian. Babylon, Babylon, Tertullian. But the reason why I'm mentioning this is he was a bishop in, in Carthage, I believe, North Africa. In like 165 A.D. to like 235 or so, he didn't live real long. Life expectancy of pastors not always long. Lord, but let this one be long and fruitful. And, uh, but... His writings, though, they tell a little bit of what, what they did in their church. And I think that's really important for us because I want to do what they did. I mean, I want to make sure what we're doing is what the apostles left the church to do, correct? Well, one of the things that they did, now they believed that he believed that an angel hovered over the waters of baptism. Remember the, the angel in John chapter 5? Right? Does anybody remember that? And he stirred the water. He believed that that same angel, whenever someone was water baptized, that that same angel stirred the water so that when you were water baptized, that they tied that to salvation, regeneration, that when you went under the water, that's when salvation happened. That's when you were clean and made whole. So that's all. But, you know, obviously that, that doctrine has, you know, has, has, you know, we've addressed that and we realize that there's, no, there's really no angel in the water, but there's power in the blood. Right, so we, we kind of learned from there. But, but what they did do, though, is that when someone came up out of the water to the baptism and they got all dried off, they brought people to the front of the church, and then they had the bishops come, and they anointed them with oil. And they laid their hands on them. You can read about it in their own writings. And they said that we encouraged the worshiper to ask God for special endowments of His Holy Spirit. For the power of God, the glory of God the anointing of God to come on the individual. And I think that's a little bit of validation. What was, what was, what was in essence, what was that pastor and his generation doing to the sheep in his, in his fold? He was simply saying, you can have a divine encounter. Isn't that right? Is that really in, in, in a nutshell? That was what he was saying, is that you as an individual, that if you're like this and your heart is full of faith and you've been washed and cleansed before God, you can simply say, God, let your presence come on my life. Let me have encounters with you, or especially a particular encounter that will leave my life marked for the glory of God. I think that's fair, and that validates to a degree my faith that I have as your pastor, a divine encounter. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed in the presence of the Lord for just a few moments today. I'll see my time. I know I didn't preach the full hour that you gave me, only 50 minutes but father in the name of Jesus my heart here today my heart is for our people my heart is for our church family my heart is for us all to experience the presence of God the glory of God to know you in a more intimate way to deepen our communion and our fellowship in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus today, God. If we have sinned against you, who will pray a prayer of repentance with me right now? Just right where you're at. Before I even ask anybody to come to the altar. Such a sweet presence of God in this room today. If we, where we have sinned, it's not if we've sinned, God. But where we have sinned. And how we have sinned. We ask you to forgive us right now. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, God, in the name of Jesus. Wash us clean today, God. Wash my mind, Father. Even as I'm preaching, my mind can be way over here. Bring it back. Bring it subject. Bring it to the presence of God and to the good of the people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. But I pray today for the beginning. Not the beginning, but the continual work of the Holy Spirit 
and sanctification in our lives. God, let there be a renewed season in our fellowship, in our lives individually, where we set apart, where we sanctify ourselves for the glory of God. For the glory of God, that we make room for you, God. We make room for your presence, Lord. And my prayer for the people corporately, before I pray for anyone individually, a prayer for the people today. A prayer, God, in Jesus' name, is that in their own individual devotions, give them a divine encounter. God, bring them to the heel of God as Saul found himself. Bring them to that place where the Spirit of God comes upon them in a powerful new way. In Jesus' name. Everybody stand up with me today, if you would. And here's how I'd like to do this. It's 7, or excuse me, 11, right at 40 or so time. If there's anyone here today that says, Pastor, I would like to just come to the front and just have some time standing or kneeling at the altar. Thank God for the altar. Come on, somebody. Just, just to be alone with God. Just Again, you can be alone in a, in, a, in a public setting, can't you? And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I would like somebody, I'd like you as, and as the minister and other ministers particularly, but definitely me as the pastor with the anointing oil, to anoint your head with oil, to just simply say, God, come up fresh and new in my, my heart and life. Whether it be here or whether it be wherever God chooses to reveal his glory. Come on, that's fair. Wherever he chooses. That, 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 when that, that I'll be there, I'll be ready, I'll be in pursuit of his presence. If that's you, then you come forward, if you would, even now. Just come to the front, and, and, but if you want the altars open, say, Pastor, I'm not necessarily needing to be anointed with oil, but I want to come and pray and kneel here at the altar. The altar's just not that bench. Remember, this whole front's the altar. But if you say, Pastor, I, I, I'm not going to come, but, but I want to stay in a season and a moment of worship, the, the altar can be your seat, can it? Come on, it can. The altar can be your seat. So let me ask you today. Now, if you choose to leave today, leave in, in a spirit of humility and faith, correct? And if you choose to leave, please limit conversation in the sanctuary to just things that relate to the spiritual things that God's doing. And not necessarily to anything that's outside. Let's let this whole sanctuary be hallowed today. Let this whole sanctuary, this entire sanctuary. So, you, so now I'm going to just let you go. Come on, we're spirit-filled believers.